Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Moving the Goalposts. I'm here with Liam. Liam, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm I'm missing football still, but I'm doing good. Yeah, well, we're we're all still missing football. It's February, the worst time of the. It's February, the worst time of the year. Um, well, by the time the show comes out, it'll be March, the very end of February, February 29th, a day that comes once every four years. Um, so I do want to talk. Uh, so okay, first let's get everything out of the way. Um, follow us across social media, follow the show, follow Move the Goalposts on social media, uh, at MTGPETB. Make sure to like and subscribe, uh, at MTGETB on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, follow Empty the Bench Network on, uh, at ETB Network, at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, you can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash ETB Network. And you could follow us and you could find our podcast at etbpodcast.com. And you can find our show wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Moving the Goalposts, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Um, and make sure to like and subscribe. And we are presented by Wolf Spreads. Um, hold on a second. All right. So are you looking to get involved in the action while rooting for your favorite team? Have you ever had a friendly debate on who can pick more games correctly? Does all this talk about parlays, lines, and over-unders make your head spin and you want to learn more about the sports betting hoopla? Gamble with us and come check out Wolf Spreads. All NFL season, we've been running a sports betting competition completely free on Wolf Spreads app. Here's how it works. Everybody gets 2000 fantasy dollars. That's fake money to bet on the action. Whoever can profit most with their 2K bankroll wins. And if you're not an NFL fan, don't worry. Wolf Spreads has competitions available for the NBA, MLB, NHL, and college football and basketball. Put fantasy dollars on the over-under, the money line, or the spreads. Competing for bragging rights with your fellow players while having additional fun watching sports. And not risk losing your house in the process. Wolf Spreads. Sports betting for friends who love the action. All right. So let's get into the show. Um... So, another big court storming day. Uh, college bas—I mean, college basketball's in the news for seemingly all the wrong, re- all the wrong reasons. Uh, did you see this uh, clip of Kyle Philip, uh, Kyle Filipkowski? Sorry, Kyle, Kyle Filipowski. I have to figure out yeah. how to pronounce his name first. It was a very yeah, long- yeah. I did. I want to give uh, Kyle Filipowski a lot of credit. Uh, he played last night besides having a devastating uh, injury. Looked like he was never, ever going to walk again. Uh, barely play bas- – mind you, play basketball the next week. It was uh, a devastating injury um, that was caused when he uh, intentionally tried to trip a person who was running onto the court, court storming, um, and then fell over and cried, literally cried tears – um, a- after just playing a physical basketball game because he was hit by a 90-pound 18-year-old. Uh, <laughs> and then also a complete hard-o move by John Shire, the coach of Duke, who, like, stopped the handshake and, like, ran like crazy, had to be, like, held back. Um, this was so stupid. This was, this was you know, reminded me of the Caitlin Clark thing. Um, somebody was annoyed that they lost – I mean, the clip, he clearly tries to trip the guy. Um, 
Filipowski does. And then the, the reaction has been insane. Um, maybe they, you know, court storming, they could fix certain aspects, but I mean, I, I, the reaction has been insane for something that was in my mind, clearly it, um, initiated by Filipowski. And so maybe the solution is to hold back 10 seconds or something like that. But this is, uh, this is the reaction has been insane and especially Jay Billis's. Yeah, Jay Billis said, uh, we don't have the video of it, but I think he said the way to stop court storming is to detain all of the fans who court stormed. But, well, yeah, he basically said that. And there's been a lot of it. And, of course, obviously, like, the the teams that lose always come out against court storming. But it's, you know, at the same time, you know, don't don't lose the game. Um, and also, like, I, I don't know, this was so, like – obvious uh this was so obvious to me um that you know filipowski created the contact create you know played the victim immediately and it's you know it happens all the time um Um, we have the video actually we can show the video 1.8 to go duke down by four on the inbounds it's picked and the party is on in winston-salem All right, so there he is being carried out. Kyle Filipowski is being helped off by members of the Duke staff. Okay, so there it was. We didn't get the uh, the actual contact, which looked like it was – by the way, credit. I just want to say uh, uh, credit to uh, ESPN. Um, so, yeah. Want to give them credit? Uh, okay, so Kyle Philip. So basically, but when you look at the video, it's sort of like it's very minor contact at the very most, uh, and it didn't look anything like that would require him to be carried off. It was. Op- it, it's funny how look it, when it comes to court storming, the only people who get hurt are players on the losing team. Uh, it never happens with players on the winning team, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, that being said, something really when it comes to court storming, I, I, here's the thing: I think the anti-court storming people have a pretty good case against court storming, namely the fact that it's fucking dangerous. It is. I mean, regardless of what you think about court storming, it is dangerous. Um, but they were using this particular case as their reason for why court storming is bad. When it turned out that this was just a total flop, it would be like if you make the argument that, say, drugs are bad, and you say, look at this person, they overdosed on drugs, and it turned out that, like, it really wasn't that bad. Like, they, they just, you know, they had a little too much drugs. But, like, it wasn't – like this is kind of like what, the, what that would be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it is it, – No. Like, the anti-court storming people honestly took a pretty big L on this. Correct. So the, the – the um the quote from Jay Bills was if they wanted to stop it they could stop it tomorrow. You don't have to stop the court storming. One time all you have to do is once they're on the court don't let them off. Just say you're all detained. Give them all citations or arrest them and then court stormings would stop the next day. Uh okay. <laughs> so just that is a wild. Them. Is there more to that? No, that was the whole quote. Okay, so that is a wild wild take. Okay, first of all that is very dramatic, obviously. 
Um, you can't, I mean, namely the fact that universities can't just allow court storming and then just detain everybody who does it. Like you can't just, right. you, you can't do that. Am I wrong? Yes. And also Jay, Jay Billis, who also, uh, excuse me, Jay Billis, who also went to Duke, by the way, which is important to note in this situation. Yeah. Uh, he also had a uh, uh, he also had a tweet on March second of two thousand thirteen that said, "Going to work on college game day at UCLA, ten a.m. on ESPNU, Arizona versus Bruins at nine p.m. on ESPN. Storm the court in Pauly?" Question mark. So he's basically <laughs> saying, if they won, would they storm the court? Like encouraging to watch in case they storm yeah. the court. And now I mean, that it's happening, in his defense, it is possible he changed his mind in ten years, eleven years. Well, yeah, but also you do, you don't think that's convenient that he's 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 come out with this statement? Uh, I, I do agree. I do agree. I've never heard him talk about. I could be wrong. Maybe he has. I've never heard him talk about court storming before. Am but, I? So yeah, so again, like the fact that it happened to Duke is is serendipitous for him. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I t- fully agree. It seems very convenient. I mean, his suggestion is just absurd. You can't detain people and give them citations uh, if you be- – because teams allow it. Like, you're allowed to storm the court. You can't just tell them you're all detained when you allow it. Um, and is, court- is storming the court against the law? Uh, I would say no. Second of all, I don't even think it's true that that would stop court storming. Proof of this – is college parties. I'm sure that happens sometimes there too. And guess what? They're still doing it everywhere. Right. So, right. I mean, even if one college did it at some point, I still think the court storming would probably continue. Um, he is sort of right about this one thing. They could stop court storming tomorrow. Well, so they're going to they, arrest and also they're going to, uh, they're going to arrest and detain thou- uh, hundreds of thou- uh, thousands, if not thousands of people at the same time. In a college, it would be nearly impossible. I mean, I guess you theoretically could shut all the doors, uh, and tell everybody out. What? It's over the top at this point. That would be that. That would sound like yeah. That that would be almost that would be borderline Orwellian if if you did that. Um, Hmm. Now it is true you could stop court storming tomorrow. Proof of this is that professional sports leagues have stopped court storming. Nobody ever rushes. Uh, nobody ever storms the field or the court in professional sports. Yeah, but but um, nobody wants to make college sports closer to, to professional sports. What's that? I don't. Nobody wants to make the atmosphere of college sports closer to professional sports. I'd rather I the opposite. Fully, I fully agree with you. I don't disagree at all. I am just saying, if they wanted to, they could. But you don't do it by essentially entrapping people. You can't allow them to storm the court. And then say you're detained. You would have to have just really good security that doesn't allow anybody to run onto the court or the field. That's what you would have to do. And my honest view is most colleges really don't have any desire to do that. I don't think it's a a big deal, though. I really don't. I don't think – it happens tons of times. Very rarely does somebody get hurt, honestly. It's like like, – but let's ground every plane on earth. Because of Malaysia Airlines flight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I I understand your point. Like you have to accept some type of risk. Uh, And I I don't entirely disagree with that. Also, I will say, honestly, it's probably more dangerous for the 
for the fans who are storming the court than it is for the players. Especially in football. The football players are all in like the football players are all in like uh they're they're like they have at least a hundred pounds on most of these people Well not before. even that though, but well not even that though, but also like if you're if you're slower or whatever and a hundred, you know, thousands of people are running past you, get knocked over, you're in trouble. The fact that many of them are, most of them, I would say, are probably intoxicated in some way. Right. Uh, and, you know, that all, that alone would make it a lot more dangerous. And given the fact that these are athletes, some of them might even be professional athletes. And basketball players are really tall. And NFL players weigh 100 pounds more than, at least mo- more than most of them. And they're in pads. Like, I can't imagine it would be as dangerous for an NFL, for uh, a college, in, in for a college football player than it would be for the fans storming the field. I mean, like, um, and I will say this is, as you talked about your unwritten rule with court storming, I think this fit it. This kind of fit the time when it's okay to storm the court. Well, some people would say that it, I, I saw a couple of people, I think uh, Don LaGreca had this, um, a take, which was that um, Wake Forest was favored in the game. They were. So it, well, probably because they were the home team. Right. But also Duke is ranked high and, and Wake Forest is not ranked. And Wake Forest really needed that win to to, yeah. to help them get into the tournament. Yeah. And, I, and of, of course, as a rival school and stuff. I, I agree. And also anytime that you're a school that's not a, 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 a blue blood and you beat Duke, I think yeah. that it's appropriate as well. Well, it depends on how good Duke is that year. But most of the time it probably would be. And I would say Duke is probably good enough. Yeah, no, Duke doesn't doesn't really have any down years. Yeah, I mean, I will say though, it's like, like the tournament. Yeah, well, well, I mean, but a lot of blue blood programs have down years, and I don't think beating a blue blood program would necessarily warrant court storming. But I think a blue blood program having a good year would warrant court storming. Mm. But I'm sure you'd agree with that. I mean, UNC has had some bad seasons. I, I wouldn't say beating UNC yeah. any season. Be worthy yeah, of court storming. First of all, I'm sure Wake Forest was favored. Um, I, I don't think it's strictly based on. Uh, I don't think the rules are strictly based on who is favored. I mean, they were probably only favored by one or two points. I, mean, anyway. I don't think. I don't think that 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 kids took the like. I don't think that there were there yeah. were kids who were like about to run on the court and they're like, you know what? Actually, the betting line favored us. Forget about it. Like, yeah, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know, so uh, most people would have probably. I, 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 most people would probably bet Duke if they saw them. Underdog against Wake Forest as well. I'm sure that's true. Like people, I probably even, even the bet, betting lines aside, nobody really looks at Duke as an underdog in that game. No, not really. Uh, yeah, they, they were essentially they were technically underdogs, though not by much. And only, like I said, only because they were the away team. I mean, right. they, they have a much better record. Uh, and yeah, I don't think Wake Forest fans would have ever felt like underdogs. Um, right. But but yeah, I mean. It's just that I also feel that, like, if you're Kyle Filipowski uh, and or any type of star player that tries to like make a big stink at a stor- court storming after the game, I don't understand the incentive, especially nowadays with all this technology and everything being on video, and it's going to get exposed. I, I don't understand the incentive to do that. Like, don't you realize it's going to make you look really bad and the public is not going to be on your side? Um, And like, if you were to get really, like, actually hurt or something like that, I would understand it. But I don't understand the point of flopping 
after like everybody is going to bring up the fact that you lost. Otherwise, nobody honestly, this game is not even a story. If not for the court storming, it's not that big of a story. Well, if not for the guy, and even with the court storming, if not for the this big stink yeah. that was made after it. Yeah. No. Exactly. Storming. No, I totally agree. And the point is, is that them losing wouldn't have been that big of a story. But now, like, because of the complaints, you're essentially shining a bright light on the fact that you lost. Right? Like, you're, like otherwise, we wouldn't remember what happened uh, on that game because it's such a random regular season college basketball game in February. Like, right. like it's, it's about as random as it gets. Um, there was also some Texas versus Texas tech chaos that went on. Uh, so I, we do have a video of it. Uh, yeah, we, we have this video. Matthew McConaughey who's the minister of culture, but he's probably the chief of staff in that department. And there's Brock again, coming right at us. Oh, look out. Coming right at us. Woo! And right in front of our table, tempers flare between these two heated rivals. That was interesting. All right. So afterwards, we didn't play the whole video, but afterwards, because it's too long. Um, uh, afterwards, they, um, the Texas Tech fans threw things on the court. And I think it led to the Texas Tech getting a technical. Uh, I forget what it was exactly. Uh, you, you might know this. If fans of the home team throw things on the court, the team. Gets uh, it depends. It depends. So, so there was some type of penalty for it, like a technical foul or whatever it was. Yeah, it depends on the situation. But I think they did get a tech in this situation. And they also were called for a flagrant Texas on that. Yeah. Um, they were called for a flagrant too. So I, I will have to say, I am very anti-throwing things on the field or the court or whatever it is. Um, and I, I really think that they should not – they obviously shouldn't allow it. Uh, and they, they should deal with fans who do that. And I will also say I am especially against it in this case. This was the stupidest reason to throw things on the court. Usually when fans throw things on the court, it's because the team gets screwed over because of a bad call late in the game or something. This is like, uh, well, it was stupid on both sides. It was stupid on one hand for the guy on Texas, Cunningham, to make that hit because they're up 25 points. Like, Like they're killing them. Why are you why are you trying to be like Draymond Green in that case and what was very so clearly a dirty hit you're up 25 points like I don't understand what would warrant him to do that even if he pissed you off in some way before you're winning by 25 points what is the point in doing that like I don't understand that but the Texas Tech fans doing it were might have been the biggest idiots because the guy got a flagrant two it could have been a flagrant one and possibly not been not been ejected potentially. So the guy gets ejected from the game. What is the point of throwing things on the court? The refs were doing what they, they dealt with it exactly how they should. Now we're, we're in disagreement about this um, on both ends. I like I, I love this. First of all, we need more rivalry moments like this in all of sports. Rivalries are starting to die out. We need more rivalry moments like this. Um, I, I, you know, I, I go to a school. I went to a school that has also a very, you know, passionate rivalry games. I understand 
how you're feeling going into a game against a huge rival um, fans. And, and I, I also don't mind, you know, I, it was a hard foul, but again, it's a big rivalry game. And I, I, I understand that reaction that you're, you know, maybe in the, in, in hindsight, you're thinking, well, I shouldn't have thrown something on the court, but I understand that situation when you're, you know, that charged up during a game, you throw, you know, that's, that's just how it gets, especially during a rivalry game. And, it's going to get intense in there. And I, I, I actually understand there's a lot of anger in the, in the stadium, especially because they're losing by a lot. Um, I mean, this is, this is just what heated rivalries are. And I, I think that, you know, we might, you know, I think that we need more rivalry moments in sports. I love rivalry moments. First of all, I want to be clear. I'm not saying I don't enjoy this. I do enjoy it. I mean, like I said, this, this is otherwise pretty, I wouldn't say meaningless, it's meaningful, but like not that big of a story of a game. And in a, in a sense, I do think it's good for the sport. I think a lot of things are good for the sport that they shouldn't allow, um, or at least in a sense, good for the sport, good for us in a sense. Um, for instance, I think throwing at batters in baseball, like especially between rivals, like the Yankees and Red Sox or something like that, I think that makes baseball more exciting. Um, the, I think steroids in baseball make baseball more exciting. Um, that doesn't mean that they should that the, the leagues should necessarily allow it, because like in this case, that was clearly a dirty hit. Um, I'm, like I said, I don't care if he makes a dirty hit necessarily. I don't have like he didn't get hurt or anything like that. But the leagues cannot allow that. I mean, college basketball cannot just allow basketball fighting like they do in hockey. Um, and it, it's kind of crazy that they still allow it in hockey. Um, you obviously just can't allow that as a ref and you just can't based on the rules of the game. But also I'm saying as a player, why would you do that? Like as a player, if you're number third, so the guy Cunningham on Texas, I don't understand his incentive for doing that. I can't imagine his coaches were very happy with him afterwards. Like that I just thought was so stupid, but also I understand they were angry. The Texas Tech fans were angry about it. But usually throwing things on the court is like because you got screwed in some way by the refs. Usually it's not. It doesn't involve like there's a really bad call at the end of the game or something like that. But in this case, not only are you up 25 points, which I don't know how safe of a lead that is. I'd say it's safer in college than it is in the NBA. But you're still up 25 points, and the refs threw the guy out of the game. So there's nothing more that they're they down that's 25 hard. points. You're down 25 points. Down 25 I'm sorry. points. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You were down 25 points, uh, and which might have been the frustration part of it. Um, I, I meant to say Texas was up 25 points. Texas Tech was down 25 points. So it's not like it was a close game that you're getting screwed on. The guy still got ejected. So what more are the refs supposed to do? Like. When when fans throw things on the field, is it ever for a reason other than them getting screwed by a bad call or a questionable call? Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that you know players get stuff thrown at them a lot, stuff like that. Like the uh, it happened at the Yankee game was it last year when they th- with the um, whatever the team is called now the Indians where they threw uh, stuff at the, the players. Uh, you know, I think it happens. You know, it's a guy score touchdowns and stuff. But that's also just like one – that's also just like one fan, though. 
it's never it's never to the degree that it is in college. I agree that for the most part, it's it's a calls, which I I also like agree with that because some calls are like horrific. Yeah. Um, but I I don't think that it's 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 specifically that no. All right. Well, I I don't know. I, I just thought like I thought that the reasons for the fans. I mean, the point is, I think if you're gonna throw, I guess I'm sort of looking at it in my from my perspective, which is not only somebody who doesn't care about either team unless I bet on one of them, but also Mm -hmm. uh, clear-headed. I guess I understand the fact that if you're in a state of mind where you're going going to throw things on the court, you are not rationally thinking it through like I am. Right. I guess, I I guess there's that element of it also, uh, which I'm, I guess I'm not really looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think rivalries in sports are, yeah, I guess on some level there. I, I, I think that in a lot of times rivalries in sports are based on two really good teams that meet a lot in conference championships or in finals or something like that. More so than like division rivalries. Right. Um, so did you see this video of uh, Cam Newton dressed as a witch getting in a fight? Well, I saw the video of him getting in the fight where the his hat didn't move. He was fighting like, oh, he was fighting like a bunch of people, like tons of them, and his hat just never like you'd think his hat would get knocked off or like two seconds in, and it just never yeah. even moved. And he was like, he had like one by, guy by the throat and was like beating the shit out of another guy with the other hand. It was insane. Yeah, it was. He was taking on how many? How many guys was it? Like five or six guys? A lot of them. A bunch of them. He took on all of them at once, and I. Wonder what this was about because it never really came out what the fight was over. Yeah, I don't know, but he has had a, like a couple of incidents, like at his camp. Remember, he had like a, a people who were chirping him, and then he went back at them and stuff like that. He's had like yeah. a couple of incidents, but it's probably not a good idea. No matter how many of the uh, uh, bleh, how many of you there are, it's probably not a good idea to ever uh, take on a professional football player in a fight, unless maybe it's a kicker. Even still. Uh, so Cam Newton attackers speak out after brawl. It's typical Cam behavior, <laughs> right? That's funny. yeah. Uh, I don't know the actual background of this. No, it, but it, it was a great video. It was probably over something stupid. Yeah, I mean, it was a great video. It it, it was. It was a pretty. Uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty great thing to watch. <laughs> Uh, so there is some, I do want to talk about this. Speaking of bad, uh, officiating, you see Monty, Monty Williams call out the refs after a blown, no call at the end of the Knicks Pistons game. Um, first of all, I do want to talk about this. I, I agree. The Knicks absolutely should have lost this game. I'm sure you'd agree with me on that. They should have lost this game. A lot of really bad decisions late in the game. Uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, he missed, I mean, first of all, when there was a minute 44 left, Jalen Brunson, and there was like 12 seconds on the shot clock. Jalen Brunson shot a three. You're up one, and they were up one point. I don't understand why Brunson did that. Uh, it was, I mean, in that case, you have, you at least want to get inside and get a two or something. Shooting a three in that case was really stupid. Um, I don't know how much of this game you watched. Uh, but the Knicks totally should have lost that game. And the Pistons were, 
And the Pistons are like the worst team in the league right now. Um, but here, we have the video of Monty Williams calling out the uh, refs. The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And a, we've, we've done it the right way. <clears throat> call the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game. <clears throat> and the guy don't a no call. That, that's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game. Period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what, what can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long. And enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big-time game like that and there be a no call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game, and that was not fair. Okay, so I don't think that reaction is unreasonable in the moment. Um, obviously, you're pissed off. I mean, first of all, it's just, it, he, as a head co- an NBA head coach, you're going to be more pissed off about it uh, just as a professional. Uh, even if you were coaching a, like a kid's rec game or something like that, you would be pissed off about a call like that. So I, I can only imagine, considering it's his job, he'd be a lot more pissed off about that. And I, I just, in it, from his point of view, I can't blame him for that. Um, I mean, look, the Knicks have been screwed over by calls too. I'll take the win, obviously. Uh, but w- what was your reaction to it? Um, I didn't think that the no call was as egregious as most people thought it was. I didn't think it was that, I mean... They, they both went for the ball. DiVincenzo banged into him upon the replay. I guess you could say it was a foul. First, two things. One, it would have been a loose ball foul. They wouldn't have even got the two shots. Secondly, even if they got the two shots, that he, he could have made them and the Knicks could have hit a three. He could have missed both of them. There's no guarantee that they win the game. Absolutely. Like when the Knicks got beat by Houston, if they didn't call the foul call that wasn't a foul, the Knicks would have won because he missed right. the shot in the buzzer. But I don't know. It was a bang-bang play. I felt like literally, and it happened really quick in a chaotic loose ball situation. Everything that you're looking at is on replay, right? It, right. It's not in the moment that it happened. Um, I also think that it over the course of an NBA season, you're you know people aren't going to like to hear this, but you're going over the course of an 82 game season, you're going to there's going to be really bad calls, and some of them are going to not go your way, and some of them are probably going to go your way. I mean, it's not you know I don't think that it's that it's unevenly distributed. It's not, right. you know, we can go on and on about it. It's tired. We're, t- we're tired of it. We've sent stuff to the league. Bad calls are not why the team is 9-49. and 49. I'm sorry. And yeah. so, I, you know, th- I understand that maybe this was a bad call. Also, it probably benefits the P- Pistons more to lose the game. But, I mean, I, I didn't think that it was as egregious and uh, uh, no call as people thought. And, by the way, I had I – had, um, the Pistons money line at seven to one in this game. And then the next night I had uh, the Mavericks money line at two at plus two fifty. the night that the, they lost on a half court buzzer beater. What was the spread in the Knicks Pistons game? Fourteen and a half or something. It was 14 and a half. Really? That's crazy. The Pistons were seven to one. Yeah, that's, 
I put down like twenty, like like twenty bucks to win like hundred forty or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a no, lot. I, I, and to be fair, I completely agree with everything you said. That is not why the team isn't good, and I don't see any evidence that because. I understand Monty Williams getting mad about that call. I will never get mad at a coach or a play or players for being angry about them getting screwed. The one part that he said that I thought was a little odd was when he, he essentially suggested that it only happens to them or that it happens to them disproportionately. Like he right. said, he says, Oh, we've seen, we've sent this. I mean, I don't remember. I could be wrong about this. I don't think any, me or any of our listeners or viewers follow Pistons basketball that closely. But yeah, they do. But at what, like, what was he? What else was he referring to? I don't remember the Pistons. I don't ever remember discussions about the Pistons being disproportionately. Also, you should never. Also, you should never. This is the other. The other thing that people don't understand is okay. You should never be in a position if you put yourself in a position in a game where one call. Can can lose you or win you the game, then you haven't done that great in the game. You shouldn't you shouldn't put yourself in a position anyway where one little call can change the entire outcome of the game. Well, yeah, I mean everybody is in that position though at some point. Um, and, and the Pistons should have been killed by the Knicks. The Knicks, the Pistons should have been killed by the Knicks. I mean, uh, but yes, I don't entirely disagree. But I mean, I was just going to say that like. Uh, I didn't understand what else he was referring to. And also you have to remember it is a bit of a defense mechanism for the fact that the team is nine and 49. <laughs> like I, I do think that it is very much a defense mechanism and the Pistons have lost a lot of close games and they're a very young team and they're like one of the five youngest teams in a league or something like that. So based on that fact, realistically, they're going to be at a bit of a disadvantage, uh, when games are close and I understand like, look, I think the season is frustrating for them and at, and with Monty Williams as the head coach and he, it, it is easier to see yourself as a victim of being screwed, especially when your team isn't good. Just, it's just human nature to lot to, uh, to emphasize that fact when mm-hmm. in reality, I think in this particular situation, they kind of got screwed. But the truth is, every team does. The Knicks have been screwed, too. And right. it's never this much. I mean, I also think criticizing the officials, I mean, you're not allowed to do it. You get, like, fined after the game. Although it is a little bizarre that you're not allowed to criticize the officials when the NBA literally criticizes the officials. <laughs> like, right. they do the they same thing. Wrong. They said they were wrong about the call. Right, so they can say that they're wrong about a call, but players and coaches can't. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right, it's like our bad. Here's a fifteen. Here's a twenty five thousand dollar fine. Like, yeah, and I will say, like, I don't think that. Like, the thing with the NBA is that the NBA has the worst reputation when it comes to integrity. When it comes to officiating, uh, the the NBA has the worst reputation. Like, they they really can't catch a break when it comes to this stuff. So it really hurts them the most. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I mean, uh, this has been a bad. This has been a bad, uh, bad year for officiating in the NBA. Yeah, the, the, there was. It was. It, it's even been like a bad week for officiating in the NBA. Yeah, there was a. Um, there was a call where uh, Zion hit um, Josh Hart, and Josh Hart was bleeding, and they didn't call foul. Yeah, so it just. 
So it, it happens with it happens to the Knicks too. So yeah. uh, maybe a little more like '90s basketball we're playing in. Yeah, which is better. I mean, imagine, like the 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 Pistons would have, that Divincenzo play. The Pistons of the '90s would have called that the first play of the game. I mean, yeah, not the first play of the game. I mean, so yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody's. Uh, I I think everybody wants fouls called more often now. It seems like. Uh, so did you see some of the stuff with LeBron? Um, so LeBron defended his son on social media. Um, he, he defended Bron. Hold on a second. He, so basically some background on this LeBron, LeBronny James was dropped from the mock draft. Uh, and he's at, he's currently playing at USC and everything. And I don't know how good he really is. He hasn't, I mean, he's the only reason I even know who he is is because he's LeBron's son. Um, and he was basically frustrated with this whole thing. He said, he tweeted, can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? Um, and then, and then he said the work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works. Earned, not given. Okay. So it is a little odd. Well, not odd. In very LeBron fashion and very predictable, uh, him lashing out. First of all, if he doesn't care, I mean, if he doesn't care, he does. LeBron does. If Bronny doesn't care, LeBron certainly cares. (laughs) Um, And also, he created this whole thing. Like, he created the entire, like, how do I say it? LeBron created the entire, like, hype of his son and now is upset that he's dropped from a mock draft. First of all, it's a mock draft. Who cares, as he says in the tweet? Second of all, nobody insulted him. They just dropped him from a mock draft. I mean, he can stay in college another couple of years I don't understand why this has to be a problem, why it's even on his radar. Like, it is just odd to me that he would tweet something like this and claim that he doesn't care about it, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I, I could sort of understand, like, maybe his his fatherly instincts and stuff. But, I mean, I would would understand that if, like, his fatherly instincts, if it was, like, protecting him from something – or if somebody was like unnecessarily insulting him or anything like that, but that's no, but not he, at all. No, I, I can see it. I can see it, and 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 I think that he's very opinionated on the thing. And yeah, I, I agree. But I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know, Bronny doesn't care about uh, mock drafts or whatever. Maybe he just you know because he didn't say anything. But I, I don't know. I I um I agree. I I, I don't. I agree with LeBron. Like I, I think that. I, well, I I agree with why he did it. Like I I could see like how you would feel as a father would, you know, seeing your son talked about a lot or, you know, whatever. But, but like, I don't it's disagree, like, but like thing. nobody was talking about him. It was, a well, I, don't know what I don't know what he's referencing though. He could have seen other stuff than just the mock draft. He could have seen comments on it or whatever. Right. But like he, but what he mentioned in the tweet was specifically the mock draft. I just think that also like, I don't know, like, uh, I, I just think that also like, I I never will get like like really rich like celebrities and stuff 
being triggered by online like comments. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Just in general, not even just like LeBron. I mean, there's a lot of like, like, like I think that people have to realize like what kind of like a cesspool the internet is. Yeah, um, especially celebrities. Remember the thing with Kurt Schilling with his daughter? There's a lot. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'm specifically talking about the social media thing with his daughter. And a bunch of people on Twitter said some wild things replying to his tweet about his right. daughter. I think she was going to college. She was maybe 17 or 18 years old at the time, probably, maybe, maybe right. early college, something like that. And they said some uh, – there was one comment that said – my your bloody sock reminds me of her and things like that and just all of these crazy things that I even when I mean I was 17 or 18 at the, I would think I was we were 17 at the time I couldn't even imagine saying even anonymously on social media and they were right. really really just awful things to say to somebody about their child but I thought the fact that he ended up chasing down like all of them and like doing background checks and trying and got all of them fired and everything. And just all of this crazy things that he did. And it's like things, people say those types of things on social media all the time. I I guess there is, and this was a lot worse than like LeBron's thing. I guess there is a certain amount of celebrities. Like, I I don't know. I find that rich, famous people often can't take jokes or mean comments or or like, or like not even jokes, like like see like tr- like you know somebody who's like a music artist. I won't name like specific name. Or so someone will be like, "Oh, this song sucks," and they'll go back at them. Well, the person that's commenting will never ever get a song out into the open, and you have a song that's streaming millions, and you're making millions off of being famous. Like, why do you care what this idiot says? Like a lot of people who negativity, like. A lot of people who comment negativity on the internet are probably like have a lot. Of, their their life is probably not the best, and that's yeah. you know makes it better to comment negativity. So I I also think it's like once you step back and realize that like it's like okay like this this person is not this is not something that I should worry myself with. Right. Well, yes. Um, I also think that a lot of rich. I mean, for I, most famous people in some way are a little bit different from us uh, in the sense that they're specifically, I mean, professional athletes in particular, most of them were prodigies since they were, since they were kids and they were, and they're really used to praise being praised so much. And they're just not used to criticism. Many of them. I mean, LeBron is like, LeBron is like a God to some people like and LeBron was a prodigy since he was a kid. It is no secret that LeBron is very sensitive. Kevin Durant is more sensitive than LeBron is. And it just seems so silly from our perspective that they're so sensitive to people who are so irrelevant and should Kevin Durant is more Kevin Durant though is better on with online stuff. Like Kevin Durant is better at like pointing out like this guy's a fucking bum. Like this, you know. Yeah, no, no. I did I I completely agree. Um I'm just saying from our perspective, it seems so absurd. When like rich, famous people have that reaction, but I also understand the fact that they were just used to being rich and famous. And I think that most of them just, I think every, I think most famous people have some sort of fragile ego in a sense. And you're constantly online and looking at what people say about you. It's probably going to get to you on some, it likely could get to you on some level. Uh, Like I, like, 
Yeah, but I agree. It gets to you. It gets to you on some level, but I, I think that also, like you, you at some point you have to like realize that like the internet is a complete cesspool of negativity, especially Twitter. Um, especially yeah. Twitter, and a lot of people like a lot of personas that people like put on the internet, like especially if you're like, okay, like look how great my life is and whatever. None of that is real. Like all, yeah. like do, do you never know, like problems people have whatever this you know just because people put on social media so the the internet has become i think a complete also cesspool and especially also there should be i think personally i think you're going to disagree with this but whatever everybody that has a internet profile should have to put their profile the pictures of themselves up like the people that comment negative stuff and then are able to hide behind like egg accounts and stuff like that like I think that's ridiculous too. Do you mean like legally or by the social media companies? By the companies. Like, you know what I mean? Like somebody could say like the Kurt Schilling thing. And then, I mean, obviously you said they dox them, but, and then hide behind like an egg account. Like, yeah. You know, well, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is though, it's like, there's a lot of people who might want to go anonymous on social media for a pretty good reason. Um, and not necessarily for malicious reasons, because they. No, but, but if you're commenting malicious stuff, you should. I, I have no problem with someone being outed that's commenting like. Right, but how do you? Oh, how, like, how, how would you ever like make that a rule? Like negative stuff. No, it's just something that I put out there. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, you're right. I think I'm grilling you a little bit too much. Well, what I'm saying is that that people who hide behind those accounts are the worst. If you're going to comment malicious stuff and then you're hiding behind a. a yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree. Whatever. Um, well, it's like. I'm in a WFAN Facebook group and all anybody ever does is complain about the hosts. That's all anybody right. ever does. Uh, and right. it's, it, it's, and it's like, none of like, I don't know what, you, like, what are you doing? But not, not only what are you doing? It's like, why is it only ever negative about the hosts? I mean, none of them are really like, they complain about often the silliest thing. It's everything. Uh, it's everything. It's, you know, you can see like, comments like it's everything like even like oh you know like new york is terrible or la is terrible or whatever people commenting it's like you look at the person like well you've been on your phone all day like so you must not have much to do like wherever you are whatever like people i think i i think that the 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 internet has certainly made it the the internet has made the world better but it's also made it worse in in a lot of ways yeah i mean i i think that i know this sounds like kind of a hot take but i honestly think the internet has made people smarter but seem stupider right like i think that it is probably true i can't prove this but just it just a very educated guess and using common sense that the population is smarter because of the internet but seems stupider because stupid people are putting themselves out there disproportionately yeah the the the, the squeaky wheel is the loudest Right, exactly. So we see a lot of we see things like the uh, milk crate challenge, right? Which you can literally break your back from, like the stupidest possible thing you could. One of the stupidest possible things you could do, the the milk crate challenge, Um, right? And it leaves the impression that we're getting stupider as a society. But the truth is, people were always stupid. Uh, We just don't see it on video. I mean, Alexander Hamilton was killed in a duel. Dueling is the stupidest thing you could have done. And that I'll was complete. And I'll give you something else that the internet's done. Did you see the video this week with Durant when he ran onto the court in Dallas? And no. Somebody, he was running up onto the court in Dallas, and a fan called him a bitch. And then he went oh. over to him, 
And she was like, oh, give me a high five. Give me a five. The other thing I think the internet's done is it makes people think, especially we're on the internet a lot, that you can get away with saying stuff in real life. Yeah. Like you could call Durant a bitch or whatever, or somebody a bitch, but it like in, in like real life, that's not going to like fly. Right. And I think a lot of people have fallen victim to that. Well, I, I think that if you talk to public figures, or at least like public figures publicly say, often say that on Twitter, everything on social media, everything is negative, but in person, everybody is very nice. Correct. And like, that's what most of them say that hardly anybody ever says anything negative to them if they see them in person, but everything is negative on Twitter because largely because of the veil of anonymity, but also because you're not talking them, talking them face to face. Like almost like how, when you're driving, you will call the person in the car next to you a piece of shit or something like that, or give them a dirty look, but you would never do that face to face. It's a similar sort of thing with social media, but what we're referring to is not even that. Right. It was like the Bill. The, I don't know if you've ever seen that Bill Maher thing. He was like, you could. Bill Maher said you could tweet out "Good morning" and people on Twitter would have a problem with it. Yeah, and that's probably true. Right. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's your good morning in your privileged world, or what? You know, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, the, the, I, I, so yeah, I understand like negativity on the internet, but I just have never understood people who get negative. Who, you know, care about negative views and, you know, mock drafts, whatever, who cares? Tom Brady was the sixth round, was a sixth round pick. You know what I mean? I mean, who yeah. cares? Well, yeah, you know, Tom, Brady being, Tom Brady being a sixth round pick actually probably made him the quarterback that he was because he came right. in with such a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, that, that very likely is true. And, and that's true about a lot of great quarterbacks. They were sort of, I mean, they're not necessarily sixth round picks, but they were like, in some way turned down or told they weren't good enough. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. And, but uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is one of them. And another Red thing Barnes is, like, yeah. And another thing is like, okay, like for instance, like KD got uh, um, like, he was getting annoyed about one of the reasons he left Golden State, which he shouldn't have done was there was a lot of talk of like his legacy with, uh, you know, going to Golden State and winning titles. Who cares? Who cares what people say on TV? You just won a title. You just won a title after that. Who gives a shit? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, like I said, KD, I think, is overly sensitive. Way more than, say, LeBron. They shouldn't be. No, them them saying on ESPN that your legacy is affected doesn't take away rings that you have it doesn't take away the money you've made it doesn't take away anything i mean yeah it doesn't matter and it's somebody who a lot of people who have never who will never win an nba title or barely play in the nba so who cares like a lot of them are probably fans who will never even see their team win an nba title right like it (laughs) doesn't matter it kevin durant has two rings it doesn't matter you don't look at that and say with who yeah, no, yeah, like, I, I totally, I totally get that. I, I, I agree. Like, it's why I didn't blame him for going to Golden State in the first place. It's like, what is he going to do? Not give himself the best chance to win? If you care about rings, then you got to do what you got to do to win rings, to win, right. to win championship. Uh, and I, I don't think sports fans always use. I don't think that the public, in general, it always is always makes good arguments. Like, I don't think the argument that wins with the public is always the argument that actually makes the most sense. Um, Correct. In sports, for instance, uh, I mean, uh, in, like how, how obsessed with rings when it comes to quarterbacks are sports fans. 
it that is the argument that one that wins with the public, but it's not the argument that actually makes the most sense. Right. It's extreme. Like, Only one team wins every year. Only one team can right, win every exactly. year. Exactly. So how many? Like, like, would you really like how many? And it's also not an argument that fans are ever really consistent with. Nobody would ever say Trent Dilfer is a better all-time quarterback than Dan Marino because he has a Super Bowl and Dan Marino right. doesn't. Like, so the public's like perspective on, I'll give you the, on athletes is pretty stupid a lot of the time. I'll give you the dumbest one for that one. You know what the dumbest one is? Which uh, one? Wins as a pitcher. Yeah, except I think most of the public. Like Jacob Degrom would have had like I think Jacob Degrom would have had like thirty, twenty something more wins if his if his teams had scored more than one run in some games. Yeah, um, like that's a dumb stat as well. What was his name? There was a pitcher, Jeff Smarja, who was a pitcher on the White Sox. He actually used to, he played football in Notre Dame. Uh, he had like the lowest ERA in the league at one point and zero wins. Yeah, or something like that. It was something like there was a huge dichotomy between the. I remember he didn't have a win and had an amazing ERA or something like that, like ten right. years ago or so. And it was like it showed the dichotomy between those two things. Although I think in baseball, players are actually judged a lot more rationally than in other sports. In football and basketball, I think, I think quarterbacks and NBA stars are judged the most irrationally. Um, I agree, especially especially when they don't compete with one another. Like people compare Michael Jordan to LeBron. Like, how can you compare Michael Jordan's six rings to LeBron's four rings? They weren't playing against each other. Like, I don't think that argument really makes a whole lot of sense. And quarterbacks, they're not even on the field half the time. And also, how many times do the same people say defense wins, cha- offense wins games, defense wins championships, but also put all of the blame on the quarterback for winning or losing a game? Like, it makes yeah. no sense. Like, it's such a contradiction. Yeah, I agree. Like, so just just because something is popular doesn't mean it's not demonstrably false. Um, I, I understand that argument a little more with, say, college football or basketball coaches. I think that argument makes sense because anything that happens in college football or college basketball comes back to the coach because he's the GM and the head coach basically does everything. So it's a little different when you talk about college coaches. But for the most part, it really just makes no sense, that argument. Right. Um, So there is some Jets stuff I want to get to. Um, The Jets are the team with a lot of drama. Mecole Hardman is allegedly a rat. rat, And he leaked, allegedly, leaked game plans, Jets game plans to opponents in response to unhappiness, to him being unhappy with his use while a Jet. I don't know if this story is true or not. It is a pretty bombshell story if it is true um did you see this what was your reaction to this uh you don't need the game plan to beat the jets you don't need to see their game plan to beat the jets um i don't know i saw this this happened this so this was uh, my first reaction was uh, as a fan of arizona state this, this is what actually got um herm edwards fired is that his assistants hated him so much that they were leaking the plans to uh the other team um, so I, I think this does happen, but, um, I don't know. I mean, McCole Hardman was supposed to be, uh, he wasn't, I, I, I think we both agree that the Jets completely misused him and underused him. I think we agree with they didn't that. They use him at all. So they underused him. They, they should yeah. use him. <laughs> but at the same time, like he was never meant to be, uh, you know, 
what Tyreek Hill would, would have been if he had signed with the Jets or, you know, he, he was always meant to be, you know, not a top player on the team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I understand it, I guess, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. So um, I, like I said, I have no idea if this story is true. It is certainly possible that. I mean, this story- in my mind, if it's, there's, there's so much like, so much in my mind that's just mounts up against Salah. I think he's got. A, you well, know, I think he he has. I I would think at this point he's got a, a very uh, tenuous grasp, if if any grasp at all, on the locker room. I think that's probably true. Um, well, the thing is, I think well, that this is, what, this is what Keyshawn Johnson said. He said it's not like a game plan; it's going to change the outcome of a football game. I mean, no, but. What? It certainly could if they know it. I mean, if any they know, but here's the thing: it also sort of matters because this report itself is very vague. Like, what? Ex- like, how detailed was it? Was it like Zach Wilson isn't going to throw as much, or was it more like very detailed specifics? Like, it is a little. It is sort of dependent on how much, like, the actual. Uh, details of what he actually leaked. Like how detailed was it? Well, and it shows, and it, it just, well, it's important also because it just shows the dichotomy of what's going on with the Jets right now, which is not good. I mean, the, I, I think, yeah, the Jets are, I think the Jets are, are going to, to start to become on the level. Now, obviously they had an injury, but they're going to start to become on the level of that Brooklyn Nets team from a couple of years ago, I think, which is they've got a lot of good players. And then I think it's just going to explode from the inside. I mean, it it doesn't look good. You've got now that they've told uh, Wilson that he could seek a trade. Um, so that, and so now you're really going to be. I, I don't know what they're going to get, what his return is, but then it can't be that much. Then what happens? But yeah, but then they're kind of up the creek without a paddle again when it comes to backup quarterbacks and everything. They've got a lot to figure out. That's the the, the issue they have is they've got a lot to figure out. They're in a really hard conference. And the 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 player that they the player that they've hitched their wagon to for the entire franchise is not someone who is has a ton of time left. Yeah, and no, that's absolutely true. Every day, it's every single day. There's less and less time. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it shows the uh, the incompetence of the org of the team and everything going on in the locker room. Well, a team uh, that. Also, a team that don't you think that a team that has the longest uh, playoffless streak in North American sports, especially when they've made it easier to make the playoffs, is has to have a, a good deal of incompetence going on. Yeah, and I think it's consistent. And, and obviously, I've been around for for uh, a lot of it. So yes, I do think there's a lot of uh, incompetence going on with the Jets. That this is no secret. You don't even need to be a sports fan to know that. I mean, a good organization would have foreseen that there was a possibility of Rodgers getting injured, um, you know, and and maybe and also probably maybe that we shouldn't let this guy dictate every single thing that goes on. Right. I agree. Uh, and, you know, but everybody know and I, I'm not saying he shouldn't have any say at all, but I don't think players should be GMs at some point. Well, you, yeah. you just have to tell him, okay, you, we we'll, we'll do we'll we'll have to make some type of compromise because he's a player and not a GM for a reason. Um, and, and also there has now, to be some middle ground. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is they're just in trouble because I just think now if you have a bad year as well next year, if they have a bad year next year, if they don't make the playoffs, Sal will be fired, guarantee you. Definitely. If they don't make the playoffs. So now you're starting with a new coach again. And now you you know, what are you gonna do with Rogers? What do you do now in terms of a backup quarterback situation? And then do you draft the quarterback next year if you have a bad year? Like I just think it's 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 not looking that good. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And did you also see their uh their uh leave the Jets are leaving uh ESPN New York? Yeah. For well ESPN New York is leaving is is losing its FM status anyway. Is that true or is ESPN yeah. just leave or so ESPN New York is not gonna be on uh on what uh ninety uh what is ninety eight point seven? Yeah, it's only gonna be on ten fifty. Okay. Okay. We interesting. Um, which I mean I don't think like I don't think that really matters much anymore. I like well, I, I listen to does. ESPN Well I listen to ESPN radio. I listen to ESPN I listen to the Michael K show on ESPN radio, but I listen to the podcasts of it or the stream on uh, ESPN app. I don't know how but many. The vast majority of their of the money is coming in from ratings. I mean, the podcast helps a little bit, but I think they care the most about ratings. I don't think you they could care stream about it from the app, though. You could stream from the right. app, which is maybe the same they thing. care about that. But but still, most FM, people have both radios stations. Well, what most, well, most people? But don't you think it would hurt them a lot if if they're not on? I mean, half the people listening in the car at least are listening on FM. Right. Well, I think it's just yeah, but I think it just has to do with it being sort of a dying medium. I mean, uh, WFAM went bankrupt, uh, you know, a couple a month ago or so. Um, so I, I think that it just has to do with it being a dying medium more than it's it has little, to do. With I mean, a little bit, but if anything, they would. I mean, I think FM, if anything, is more. I mean, a bunch of stations ended up going to FM instead of AM. Uh, I mean, the good the good news that they that they they. Uh, that ESPN New York has is that they don't really have a lot of uh, stiff competition in terms of shows only in the morning, but the other station doesn't really have a strong lineup in the, in the midday and afternoon. True. They don't, uh, yeah. Especially in the afternoon. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That part of it certainly, but I mean, ESPN, well, yeah, I mean, they have, you have the K show on ESPN New York and you can say the same thing, the reverse outside of the afternoon. They don't have WFAN doesn't have very stiff competition. No, uh, but they're but they they they've they've one's gone bankrupt and one is losing its FM status. So and also the other thing that WFAN has over um over um ESPN New York is that ESPN New York is not like a monolith for ESPN, where the main company of WFAN, the radio station, that's their main thing. Like ESPN Radio is not ESPN's main priority or moneymaker. True, although WFAN is a part of Odyssey, but I will say WFAN probably ranks higher on Odyssey than uh, on Odyssey's uh, priorities than ESPN New York does for ESPN. Right. Um, yeah, no, that, that part is definitely true. Oh, by the way, going back to the LeBron thing, we didn't get to this. I do want to get to it for a second. You see Kevin Garnett, he suggested LeBron is on the juice. I did not. You didn't see that? It was a video... No. He was doing a podcast with Paul Pierce, and he said, uh, yeah, "LeBron's yeah. on that new juice." So uh, he and uh, he suggested essentially that LeBron is on steroids. I've actually heard rumors of this before, but I don't think any. I, I, look, I, I don't know, but I don't really believe any of this is accurate. 
Do you I think, think it's, it's possible? Yeah. Do you think it's possible for like, do you see like these actors who go like, have you ever seen like any of these actors who get like insanely jacked for a, um, for a, uh, a, a role or something like, who yeah. get, like, what? do you think it's possible to do any of that without steroids? Um, it depends on how quickly. Um, and it depends on which act. It, it, I guess it depends. Um, for, for some of them, probably for some, in some cases, probably not because at some point, depending on how big you are, you reach your genetic potential for building muscle. Even if you do take steroids, that could happen. Uh, and it is certainly possible that they do take steroids. Right. It certainly and, but, is. Well, and I think that also LeBron probably takes something. Maybe it's not a performance enhancer, but he, I, I would think that he takes something, right? Yeah, likely. He likely does. Um, I don't necessarily think he's taking anything illegal or against the rules of the league. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, but certainly to be, so to be like, certainly like at his physique at with his age now, obviously like he's, he's like, you know, a, an athlete that works out a lot, but I think that you sort of ha- do have to, you know, take something to maintain it. Well, you also have to remember he's a genetic freak of nature. He's like six foot eight. And yeah. what, 250 pounds or something. Um, yeah. It's not like he, he's not exactly like the rest of us. Um, it's also possible. I don't know what kind of lifestyle he lives exactly. Um, right. It's certainly possible. He, I mean, like Tom Brady, for instance, was able to last a long time because he lives a very healthy lifestyle. Um, right. Well, he's a nutritionist. I'm sure he has a good news, but I'm sure LeBron doesn't go as far as say Novak Djokovic or Tom Brady does. But also, I think a lot of athletes now just last longer. It seems like, and also, I mean, also, I mean, um, yeah, like, did you see this that quote from like, I think it was from Aaron Judge, where he was basically talking about like a lot of Yankee players got hurt in last season, and he was basically saying that a lot of them like were coming into camp out of like tra- spring training out of shape. Like they weren't starting their workouts until the season. That's crazy to me. Like if you're, if you're making millions of dollars, basically where your body is the product that you're giving out, you should be yeah. in shape 20, 365 days a year. Well, like every day, yeah. every day, even in the off, e- e- the off season, especially you should be in the gym every day. Like it's insane. No, I, I, I agree there. And to be fair, most of them probably do have workout plans and, Things like that. It's just that most of them, a lot of them don't stick to it. But also, I mean, first of all, you can be out of shape and still be a ver- and still be a great player. It's just that being out of shape will always hurt you in some way. Um, I mean, offensive linemen are often very fat. Uh, well, and- not the, you can take the David Wells uh, approach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, David Wells said, he said, he said, you can't, which is true. He said, you can't pull fat. Which is true. Yeah. You can't pull fat. You can pull muscle. But baseball and and football are like the only two sports where you can really kind of be out of shape. Like basketball, you, it's impossible to be out of shape and play basketball because you have to run up and down a court. It's really impossible. You know, well, first of all, soccer and it depends on what position you play in those sports. Um, you can. Well, yeah, be- but, but I'm saying like that you could play. You could play football and not be in the top tier of shape, like, well, it depends also what you mean by top tier of shape. Like if you're an NBA player and stuff, you're probably doing a ton of cardio because. Yeah. But you also, but don't forget, don't forget for much of Shaq's career, when he dominated the league, he was out of shape. So Shaq was out of shape uh, pretty often. Uh, 
Glenn Davis, he was out of shape a lot too, although he wasn't really a star player. Yeah. But Shaq, when he dominated the league, was out of shape. So there are you can, Ravens say that. you can say Jokic is out of shape. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so it's not exactly uncommon for basketball. I mean, let me rephrase it. It is uncommon, but it's not unheard of for NBA players to be a bit out of shape. Right. But, but it would yeah. hurt you a lot more in basketball. And, and it's less common. It's less common. Like, there was no CC Sabathia equivalent or Prince Fielder or Dimitri Young equivalent in the NBA. Like, there, it, it's, it doesn't get that far. And also, I'll give, like, a little tip for all these people who follow, like, and not not to say that they don't work, but a lot of people who follow, like, these uh, bodybuilding and strength Instagrams that give you, like, the secret with the diet and stuff, a lot of them are using steroids. <laughs> and a lot of them won't say it. Correct. Michael <laughs> Hearn. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them won't, won't admit that they're on. A lot of them won't admit that they're on steroids when clearly they when they clearly are on steroids. So yes, don't. Or even if they're even if they're not on steroids, you don't. Not everything applies to you individually. Um, right. uh, so I don't. I, I mean, I, I think they were just kind of shooting the shit. I didn't make too much. I, I, when I heard it, when I heard about this story, I thought maybe there would be more to it, but it didn't really sound that crazy. Um, yeah. but the thing is in baseball, you, like I said, you can be a really good player, uh, if you play say first base or something like that and, and be fat, uh, you can't be too out of shape, but to a degree you can be pretty fat, uh, right. and, and be a great, and be a great player. Uh, and in football, it depends on the position you play. Um, remember that video, that picture of Jameis Winston one year mm. with a big belly, <laughs> it, it made me think of that uh, a little bit. Um, uh, did you see this? Uh, so I do want to talk about this very sad news. Richard Lewis from curb passed away at 76. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he wasn't well, he seemed to not be healthy at all. Uh, when he was on curb, uh, yeah, well, he, had par- he, got, he got diagnosed with Parkinson's a year ago. Um, yeah. and he did, he did die of a heart attack. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a, uh, you know, it was, it kind of shocked me. Yeah, he had a heart attack at home. Oh, okay. um, but it kind of shocked me because, um, you know, I, I didn't know about his fuck. I didn't know about his uh, Parkinson's um, Parkinson's diagnosis uh, until yesterday. I was actually just listening to uh, to a, a podcast, The History of Curb, which is a great podcast. And after this podcast, people should check it out. And they were talking about how Larry Larry David and Richard Lewis actually went to camp together when they were kids and they actually hated each other, like yeah. badly hated each other. And then they met at a club, you know, 20 years down the line and recognized each other from camp. And uh, they've been friends ever since. Um, Richard, if you, if you go after this podcast, on YouTube, you should look up like Richard Lewis's stand up from the eighties. Very funny stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he was kind of revived on curb. He was really good on curb. Um, and a lot of, a lot of accounts said that that, his his friendship with Larry on the show was very close to his real life friendship. I think the funniest thing was the really bad boycott of Mocha yeah. Joe's when he was like, "I'm never gonna go." I'm, that's it. I'm boycotting that place. I'm never going again. And then Larry sees him there and said, "I know. I, never, I said I'd never go there with you." Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, there, there were there were really good episodes. Um, I, I the 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 first one he was in when. Uh, his or the one where his uh, his girlfriend has the uh, peanut allergy is maybe the best Richard Lewis one that it, on curb. Um, 
But yeah, he was he was one of the better characters. And now they, I mean, I know they're in the last season, but they lost two of the the two of the better characters on the show. Yeah, um, in uh, Funkhauser and Richard Lewis. Yeah. I yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Bob Einstein, he died. Well, I remember they talked about uh, Funkhauser one time after he passed away, and they said uh, they meant, they said that he was in China, right. <laughs> like, I thought that was just, I, I bet that was probably off the cuff. Um, some more stand, more comedy stuff. Shane Gillis uh, on SNL. Did Did you watch the monologue? I didn't watch a second of the whole, the show at all. I don't. I, I, really I, watch I, live. I haven't watched SNL in a long time. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think the monologue was bad, but I will say I thought the sketches were were very funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like the one with the um, – I, I did see the one with the gambling. Um, did you see that one where it was like you can gamble on yes, how you're – It was very relatable. At rock bottom. That was funny. Um, it, she's fucking – by the way, the, this will come out tomorrow. The Knicks are fucking horrible. Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, um, uh, the one I, – I thought some of them were decent, but I, I haven't, I'm not a huge like fan of – his stuff, but and and SNL is is like beyond horrible. I mean, I don't really think that the host matters that much in SNL because the people writing the sketches are obviously horrible. Um, I don't no, know. How, I, think the host, I think the host does help write the sketches. I well, yeah, some of them, but I mean, like, I, I don't know how like some some writers like go through the writers' room, write the sketch, and think that that's funny. Like, it's really bad, especially when you look at like who they've had. Like, obviously, they had Larry David on. They had. Um, they they had like Conan O'Brien was a writer for Saturday Night Live. They've had like classic writers. Well, you know, and, Larry David only had one sketch get on, and it was well, like Larry really. David. Late. And then do you know what happened? Yes, he pretended to qu- he quit the show and then came back like it never yeah, happened because, because Kramer, the real life Kramer, told him to go back. And unlike in Seinfeld, in the episode of Seinfeld, they actually just kept Larry on the staff. Like he, yeah, he, and then they quit. But yeah, SNL is bad. And the only the only good part to me about SNL is um is a Weekend Update, and then Weekend Update is like a lot of good funny jokes, and then they break into it with like some fake character or guest that's just so unfunny that it just then ruins yeah. the rest of the show. Well, I think the only funny thing left on SNL is when Michael Che and uh, uh, Colin Jost uh, trade jokes. They write jokes for each other. Right. That, that, that is good. But yeah, I mean, those are the only two guys. And I think like probably at some point one of them will leave. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really like SNL has, SNL has done the complete opposite of Seinfeld. It's become, you know, like Seinfeld wanted left, wanted to leave the audience wanting more, which he did. SNL has want, has left everybody wanting a lot less. Well, that's the problem with these sketch shows. They all end up that way. Right. Like, I mean, and SNL was a classic show. Like, if you watch like old SNL sketches, are really, really funny. Even up until yeah. like maybe ten years ago, but it's just yeah. fallen off so bad. And Shane Gillis actually was like has done much better because he didn't make SNL than he did yeah. would have if he had if he had, if he was able to stay on SNL. Well, I think I think Shane Gillis is great. I'm not. I don't really watch a lot of his stuff, but he's definitely been more successful because he yeah. because of what happened with SNL. Yeah. Okay. So. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, We'll be back next week. This is Moving the Goalposts.